In this week's episode of Midlife AF, I'm going to be talking to my friend Josephine Lankuba. Um, jo works as a performing arts business coach. She's a public speaker. She runs workshops. She's a talent manager. She's a, been a studio owner. She's so many different things. Um, jo and I really connected. We were, met each other through um, Tina Towers, her empire builder. Um, and we have a really interesting discussion around adverse childhood experience and early years trauma and the impact of that. Um, so not a, not a light episode, um, but also some fun and, and laughs in there as well. And an interesting conversation. So Jo's always fascinating, very, very motivational. She's achieved a huge amount in her life. And um, I think it'll be really good and, and interesting listen for you all. So over to myself and Jo. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, Come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. I lovingly acknowledge the Boonarung people of the Kulon Nation as the custodians of Kurt Barok. I share my admiration for the Aboriginal culture. I witness the connection that they have for each other and the land and their community. As I swim in the waters and walk on the land, I feel the power of this place. I'm grateful for the Aboriginal people's amazing custodianship, the power, beauty and the healing potential of this place. I wish to pay special respects to the elders of the Boonarong people. Their wisdom, guidance and support are exceptional and felt well beyond the Aboriginal community. I honour that this is Aboriginal land and that it has never been ceded. I am committed to listening to the Aboriginal community and learning how I can be an active ally in their journey to justice. Hi, everyone. I will just ask Joe again. Hold on a second. I've got the beautiful Joe who is coming to join us. And we're going to talk about trauma to triumph. Because so many of us in this space, I'm just trying to get her on. Let me see if I invite her. So many of us have trauma, big or little t trauma in our lives, and it really impacts how we show up. I know you're there, darling. I'm just asking you to join. Why is it saying you're unable to join? Let's try again. Accept. I just accepted you, Joe. There she is. Oh. 
the thing just decided to switch off and come back and I'm like, okay, I'm here. Hello, I knew you were there. I could see you trying to get on. It's always a bit fiddly, isn't it? Um, yeah, Instagram totally. Live. Well, welcome, my lovely friend. Jo and I were, um, met in her Empire Builder, um, uh, which is a program for people, entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs, right? Um, and it's got, it's, it's really an interesting group because there's so many like-minded, lovely people that you meet. And I often find for myself, um, before I kind of became an entrepreneur and had myself diagnosed as neurodiverse, I really struggled with fitting in. I felt mm. really awkward and I felt really, I just always felt a bit wrong. Like I always said the wrong thing. I was always a bit too much. I was always too quiet when I was supposed to be noisy, too noisy when I was supposed to be quiet and all of the things. And then I met this bunch of women and I'm like, oh my goodness, I found my people. Because very much like when you meet people who, if you're a neurodiverse person, you meet neurodiverse people, you're like, oh my goodness, I meet my people. Like a lot, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have either have neurodiversity or have trauma in their background, big or little t, or are highly sensitive people because it takes a certain vibration, and I'm going to sound really hippie now. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> to follow this pathway. Yeah. And I met Jo, and she had been, Jo has been running a successful business for a long time. And she, I'm quite in admiration of Jo. She <laughs> did what I have wanted to do a lot earlier than I did. I was too scared to break out of corporate and to get away from that kind of like reliable paycheck and holidays and all that kind of stuff, even though I was running myself ragged. Oh, hi, there's Emma. There's Emma. Hi, Let's not talk you. about what happens there. But anyway, I'll see you tomorrow <laughs> at our interview. I Just candidly, I mixed up the Emmas today. I've literally come off the back of being so sick and the worst flu I've ever had, way worse than COVID. It was horrendous. And my brain fog was real. And I mixed up my Emma's tip. I'm so glad I'm here and I get to see you, Emma, tomorrow. I'm so glad that you did. <laughs> and I'm sorry I was a bit grumpy earlier. No, I was trying to make it all work. I totally get it. I'm I know, so I know. And also coming from um, a perimenopausal lady who's going through a bit of shit at the moment, my brain fog is all over the bloody place yeah. and I'm forgetting appointments left, right and centre. But if somebody forgets mine... <laughs> added in the schedule, it was just the wrong Emma. That's all. The wrong Emma. Okay, don't worry about it. It's all happening. We, we uh, neurodiverse people, we don't deal with change well. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's just that. Anyway, um, the reason I want joe to come on here is i've met joe a few times and she's just an incredible person and joe and i sat down and had lunch together in melbourne in footscray mm. and we had one of those conversations which is so lovely where you just kind of share your heart with each other and she shared her heart with me 
and it made me admire her even more. So I've given that a bit of a long and rambling introduction to Joe, but Joe, would you be kind enough to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your magic? Yeah, so hi everyone, my name's Josephine Lane Cuba. And I saw a piece of um, uh, an artwork come out to promote today that you accidentally, and I don't know if you do your own artwork or not, but it was spelt lamb bumba. Oh, I, love, I love, we spell things very badly in my team. So it's we do. not bumba, it's lamb cuba. <laughs> Just letting you know, but um, she does know. La Bamba. That. It sounds like um, no, La La Bamba. <laughs> you have to laugh. At I'll get that sorted. Um, but that's all good. Um, so yes, so I am a performing arts business coach. Um, I've run a musical theatre program for the last um, at, at, with multiple club sites called the Musical Makers Club for nearly 10 years, um, which is producing theatrical um, programs for young people. I'm a talent agent. I represent artists in film, television, theatre and commercial. Um, but moreover, and this is how we met, um, is that I started coaching other studio owners and other performing artists on how to create their own in-house talent management services and grow their studio business. So um, recently I've also moved into the speaking space um, very much not just about performing arts. Yes, of course, I, I speak on those topics, but really what I'm loving is talking about resilience, you know, you're overcoming um, challenges, you know, rising from the trenches of life and business, but life is a big part of that. And also, yeah, just, just embracing that roaring resilience. Um, re resilience is actually one of the key um, I suppose uh, one of the, the most important things when I talk about, you know, personal attributes and things that I look for mm. in not just myself, but in others, I teach mm. my resilience. Um, I just think it's really important to get through life, especially, you know, I've come from a bit of a hard knock background and so resilience was really the only option, but uh, my kids, they don't, they don't have the upbringing I have. And even though the problems may seem different, you know, they're not trying to find food, they're not, you know, trying to get fed. Um, they have everything they need, but it's been such an important thread in my life, just being able to cope with certain situations, even within their friendship groups or anything, you know, and they're little, but just having that as a backbone is such an important part of what I'm hoping to share with others. Yeah. That's absolutely brilliant. And I, I, I think you do, like it comes across straight away the minute you meet you. And I remember seeing you up on a stage talking and you're a wonderful speaker. Um, Joe spoke at, we went to a conference in Uluru, which was one of the most amazing experiences. And she spoke and she's a, she's a terrific speaker. She keeps you really engaged and really interested in what she's saying. So I highly recommend um, Joe, if anyone's looking for a great speaker to come in and talk about resilience, because she is really, really good. But Joe, I know Joe and I have talked a little bit. We've talked about alcohol. Um, mm -hmm. We've talked about Joe's relationship with alcohol and how that's um, evolved. Yes. And also about Joe's background and Joe, you know, go as far or as un, you know as little as far as you want to go, and yeah, what sure. that has uh given you and also what you've learned from it and what are the things that you put in place to keep yourself well and healthy as an adult yes 
So look, um, you know, I was out of home from, you know, the young age of 14. Sometimes it's foggy. So because I came from a home of domestic violence, um, sometimes the timelines are foggy. So sometimes I think I was out of home at 15, 14, 13. I, sometimes I just can't remember. And it's because that time in my life is actually foggy um, because of having to go through such a traumatic experience of you know leaving home at a really young age coming from an unsafe environment and then you know really have, having to go it alone yes i had older sisters but they were kids themselves really i mean we're talking about an 18 year old you know like it's not their responsibility and they went through their own trauma so we were all just trying to make it out in the world on our own um and there was definitely, you know, drugs and alcohol was a part of my teenage years. Um, that was just the way it went down, I guess, because when you're, <laughs> when you're free, really, to do whatever you please as a young person, mm. well, you're, you know, there's no consequence to the actions. Yeah. So yeah. you surround yourself with people that are, you know, either not being cared for or neglected also, <laughs> or just free to do whatever they want. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how that started. You know, I was smoking cigarettes at a young age. I was doing all of, I was drinking before I was 18, that sort of thing. Um, when I turned 18, it was like, yes, now I can party. And I did. I yeah. partied. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a lot of fun. Yes. But... I also put myself in situations that I probably, I mean, I would not wish that upon my kids, you yeah. know, and I am lucky that I'm here. Uh, yeah. I re remember an incident that happened. And again, timeline is foggy. Could yeah. have been seen. Yeah. Um, you know, I was in the, the, the passenger seat of a car of, a friend who didn't have a license and we were driving someone's car and she was speeding at a hundred kilometers per hour and we were drinking and banged into three at a hundred kilometers per hour and her teeth through her lip. The person oh. that seat ended up with a permanent tear in their breast. Um, and I was the only one that came out without a bruise. Wow. These are the sorts of things. I, I remember even going and I got, put in you know they've sent me to hospital i remember being really scared they were cutting my i remember i got these new jeans and they had like they yeah. were the cool jeans i've never seen jeans like them ever since <laughs> <laughs> um they had like really they were flared they were hippie style they had like embroidery flowers and just really cool yeah I remember them cutting them off me in the thing and i just remember because i was young i wasn't yeah i just survived something really yeah. big I was thinking, yeah, oh, you're just thinking can't... what they're doing with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. So, yes, no, it's not. So, really close um, calls. Okay. I had friends die from overdoses growing up in their 20s. Mm -hmm. um, so, I've been to funerals of young people. Mm -hmm. um, funnily enough, I've always saw myself as someone that didn't have an addictive personality. Yeah. So, people were going to do some hardcore stuff that were around me because that's how it evolves right it starts yeah. with cigarettes alcohol you know that happens then you get in your 20s and then yeah. the starts to to change and then all yeah. of a sudden it's and, la, la, la. 
And then all of a sudden it becomes, well, now we just do drugs. That, like I'm talking about, I knew people that were on really heavy stuff. Um, yeah. But I always didn't go down that path. I always thought it was because I didn't have an addictive personality. But now I really probably in hindsight that I didn't go down that hardcore addiction path like some of the people I knew did. Yeah. Was I always imagined my life as something more. I knew I was smart and I yeah. felt like maybe there was more for me and that if I did that, I did have a fear. I was smart mm. to know that that wasn't, that wasn't the right path. That wasn't going to get me where I need to go. But, but it did lead eventually into my adult life where I was drinking wine at home. Yeah. I think my partner when we first got married, I mean, we were drinking a bottle of wine a night. Oh, yeah. Me too. And that sure. was so we would say we were winos like it was a joke, you know, yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm a wino. Like it was a badge of honour, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, totally. We kept doing that. Um, but that was socially acceptable. Everyone was doing it. We yeah, were all yeah. in, trying to get our careers happening. We were drinking a bottle of wine at home with our pizza, eating terribly, all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I remember it changed and that's when I knew we'd probably gone too far. <laughs> and that was when we, it started like going into whiskey. So then yeah. I'm like, hmm, let's just drink a bit of whiskey at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I was having shots of whiskey mm. with my wine. And mm. I was like, okay, I feel like we've probably stepped too far. When we had kids, we still continued drinking. Mm -hmm. I obviously, I stopped during my pregnancy. That yeah, was yeah. probably for me because that meant I knew I could live without alcohol. Yeah. Whereas my husband didn't do that. No. You know? So I did um, stop for a while. But when I, then I started drinking again. It was almost like a celebration. I could drink again when the kids yeah, were Yeah, I remember. Me too. Yeah. So it was get a the, celebration. Get the, get the stinky cheese and the wine. And That's like... Mm. Give me the salami. Get me a prawn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, um, funnily enough, I didn't stop drinking when I had my child. Kept going. Mm -hmm. And then when I had my second, that's when I started having a couple of sneaky ones while I was pregnant. I yeah. felt bad, but then I told myself yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. You know? And then once I had yeah. the second, that's when it was like. Think this isn't going to work anymore for us mm -hmm. because we were tired. Mm -hmm. We weren't parenting to the best ability. I felt like the alcohol. We, we were just trying to numb the busy day of yeah. parenthood and trying to do all things. Yeah. And then, like, oh, it's making it harder because yeah. now I don't want to actually yeah. attend to the child. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I just actually, and and I also. I also felt like um, my body wasn't the same as my 20s. Yeah. So when I was drinking a lot, um, I was starting to put on more weight and yeah. I did think there was a direct, um, like, what do you call it when something, two things, like they're, they're directly linked maybe? Like a correlation. Co correlation. Yeah, for sure. And I thought, oh, when I drink, I make bad food choices. The yeah. food choice, I will put on weight. Then yeah. what happens? The flow on from that is I don't want to exercise the next yeah. day and yeah. continues and continues yeah. and then got to my heaviest. Um, yeah. But, and, and I talk about weight, not because I care about weight. I no. felt terribly. Yeah. Um, 
I wasn't me anymore. Yeah. I just like I was in someone else's body. Yeah. And then I just um I so that's what that's what stopped me from the the daily drink. So that's mm -hmm. was when I went, oh, stop that. It's not working for me. And I went on a health plan. I'm talking a lot. Sorry, am I is that good? <laughs> no, you're fine. You're great. Yeah. Beautiful. On a health plan um, where I just reduced alcohol, blah, blah. And now I'm at a point where actually I don't drink at home anymore. So we don't drink at home anymore. Um, I drink when I go out. I can have a yeah. social drink and I don't binge drink. I can have a drink or two socially out of the home and that mm -hmm. feels okay for me. That feels mm -hmm. comfortable. It doesn't mm -hmm. affect my work, my fitness, Brilliant. my yeah. raising of the kids. Yeah. I feel like Good I'm in all of it yeah yeah good you know you. And it, yeah it sounds like you are daily habit yeah 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 absolutely absolutely that sounds so that's your relationship with alcohol so that's kind of where you are at the moment so just kind of like you're, you're like everyone's dream this the magical unicorn that everyone who has problematic drinking which is such a huge amount of people yeah. um where like most people when they come to me for, for uh work like I want to be able to just have two drinks out when I'm out socially. And that's what like everybody wants to do. But for most of us, it's very, it's very hard to do that. Yes. And uh, it's, um, it can actually be easier not to do it at all than to yeah. try and do that. So <laughs> I feel like you, often the people who are able to do that, there's very, usually very good reasons why they're able to do that. Well, I do have um, a secret to why I can do that, if you'd like yes. me to share it. Yes, I, and this is not good, yes. okay, but yes. I replaced the addiction. Right. So yes. the addiction now to Diet Coke. Yes. Now, yeah. the, no. <laughs> Diet Coke is so addictive. You no, know, but it is what I will drink when I stop drinking out. Yeah, yeah. But I drink it, but what's happened with that is now the, the, the diet coke has become my daily drink and so now yeah. that 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 it's i felt like okay that was better than alcohol but i mean like as in i've yeah. been in mugs on webinar yeah. like there's coke in there real seriously listen to this is my i it's so interesting because i had completely got rid of my diet coke habit and then recently relatively recently and i'm slightly ashamed of this yeah my youngest my eldest actually was kept drinking all those monster energy drinks and i was trying to get them to stop because they were so they're so bad for them and um so he started drinking coke and i was like yeah coke's still really bad but i thought i'm not going to make it into a big drama yes. and then i started buying coke no zero and now i am literally trying to wean myself up and then i was watching a show that was saying that actually caffeine in those kind of drinks is one of the most addictive things so it's interesting you say yes. that and so, also just also sharing my own my neck organic but look it, it you know better the devil you know i suppose i would that that That's drink doesn't stop me from parenting no. doesn't exactly. stop me from work yeah exactly. so don't exactly. you want to to hear but that's the truth <laughs> oh it's really interesting and i'm really glad you said that as well because a lot of us look at people and we're like you know i hear so many of my clients hearts breaking mm. being like why can't why can these people do it and i can't and i am literally like do not 
believe it. Most people you know who you see having two drinks out of going home and sinking a bottle. And it's just a big fucking lie. Yes, some people can, but it's very rare because actually the way that alcohol works in your body is if you drink it on a regular enough occurrence. So if you were drinking like once a week and you were drinking two glasses of wine a week and you were doing that regularly, even though it seems like a really low amount, it's still going to be having the impact on your body that it's going to make you want to have more. And the way that it works with your body is like you get to the two drinks and your body just like starts craving the dopamine and the endorphins from the alcohol and tries to get rid of the anxiety causing and the um, dynorphine. So like the cortisol, the adrenaline, the dynorphine, and it tries to get rid of And the reason I'm saying that is because I really want to let people know that because one of the things people blame themselves and they think there's something wrong with them they're like i'm a weirdo everybody else can drink two drinks and i can't what's wrong with me and it's and and the truth of the matter is that they're not weirdos at all it's like it's just chemical mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with them and it's it it for a lot of people who can only have two drinks you know there's lots of reasons why that might be like you were saying joe you've got onto your diet cokes but also they could be and, and that is you know a much you know better a better solution for you right um but also you know there might be you might have had an alcoholic parent and you might be really cautious about going down that route some people don't like to drink more than two drinks because they really hate the feeling of being out of control um some people have got religious reasons so there's all kinds of reasons why people are able to do that but I would say the vast majority of people, it's very hard. Yeah. I mean, look, my my dad, when we were growing up, um, he was very much, it's weird. Because when I think back, I never thought of him as an alcoholic. Yeah. But he today, like, yeah. he, took, he was Italian and you drank wine at dinner. That's what he did. That's yeah. what he did. You know, when we went to weddings as kids, we would... Um, be allowed to drink. Yeah, it's fun. Like it's in. Oh, it's good for you to to get to yes. get used to it and that sort of thing. So we were told that oh, you better have a sip so that when you're older, you know, you, it's like you're building your tolerance. Um, but that was normal. It wasn't like they were doing a bad thing. That no, was, it was hundred percent how our parents were told to parent, basically, wasn't mm-hmm. it? That was kind of like the norm, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like also, um, you know, if you had sore gums, they'd put a thumb, what was it, a thumb of brandy in your mouth and all yes. that sort of stuff. Yes. And in, like our grandparents' generation used to put whiskey or something like that in the baby's bottles. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, so, <laughs> mindset, you know. Yeah. But, but he definitely did drink daily. I do think that was a contributing factor potentially. Mm-hmm to the violent nature or maybe the lack of tolerance to anything you know it's hard to say um but thinking back yes there was definitely like daily alcohol in the house you know that was normal i suppose but yeah i say that it felt like that he was excessively drunk yeah but then yeah you know so mm. yeah 
It's really interesting, isn't it? Because I would never have thought that my parents or my grandparents were problem drinkers ever. But looking back on it now, uh, with hindsight, I, I, there was definitely a problematic alcohol use in our family. Mm. We, you know, it was very unusual for anybody in my family to have a day without alcohol. Very unusual. It's a very interesting uh, <laughs> phenomenon. And I think, you know, one of the other things with alcohol is that, you know, when you look at the statistics of trauma and domestic violence, that there is a causality. Like, it, it, it's, it's, there's such a high level of uh, co-occurrence of alcohol use and domestic violence. So, um, and it's one of the things that when... I think New Zealand has just come out with alcohol as being the most harmful drug based on not just the impact of the person that's drinking, but also the impact on the people around them and on society as a whole. Um, yeah. It's quite interesting in that. I in the film, I watched it again the other day and it was just terrific. It's called Once Were Warriors. It's, the new, it's a New Zealand. Anyway, Brilliant. so many years ago, and I rewatched it the other day, and it was really hard to watch. Yes. And um, yeah, so it definitely wasn't that situation in my home, but you can see how it can escalate really bad behaviour for sure. Yeah, yeah, and probably as well. I imagine that you know, trauma doesn't come from like you know, perpetrators of trauma don't you know they have their own trauma. And often um, mm. they drink because they're in pain um, and because they've got their own stuff going on. I have no... Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Hello. I just noticed we've got a couple of more people joining us. Yep. Hey, Nat. Hi. <laughs> yeah, look, definitely. I think you do have a bit of... Um, I know that, you know, my father went through his own traumas for sure. Yeah. So I think that that unfortunately can be a legacy that gets passed on yeah. and like I said this is, a, this is something that stayed with me for a long time I mean like I said that bottle of wine a day was just the natural norm and, and nothing it didn't feel wrong it didn't feel no. wrong until no. I had it yeah. and I was yeah. like oh wow okay this isn't yeah. worth more you know yeah yeah and I love that you were perceptive enough about your own experience to be able to realise that. Um, because for many of us, we don't pick up on it at all. And it feels, because it's so normalised by society as well, it just feels like, uh, you know, it's just what everybody does, right? When we were younger, it was interesting because it changed over time. So when you were younger, it, it was initially that whole drink to get drunk. Right? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cheap, the cheapest, crappiest foods you could imagine. Yeah. It didn't matter what like, drink yeah. get drunk. Then, Strongest, cheapest. That's it. And then it moves to being a bit more sophisticated. Yes. Alcohol. Yeah. So now we're sophisticated alcoholics. Because yeah. now we're just like, you know. But I never saw myself as one, ever. But it was affecting my life. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's walking that fine line, isn't it, of yeah. knowing when it's time. Time to make a change 
Um, still to this day, I mean, you know, I like I said, I don't drink at home anymore. I just don't do it. And yes, maybe I am a unicorn who can have a couple of drinks out and that's it. But for me, it's about that why. I just yeah. I want that. I want to be present. Yes. Um, I to be available to my family. Yes. I also don't like the way it makes me feel physically. So after, I feel like as I get older, it takes a real physical toll. Can't, yeah. I can't keep up with it. Definitely. I might try to keep up with it. Like, that's stupid. Yeah. That yeah. Cool? Like, when I... It's interesting. It used to be a lot more fun. Yes. I don't find it as fun anymore. And I have had a lot of fun, right? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I remember when me and my husband were in Queensland. This was when the kids were really little, and we had a double pram, and they were both asleep. And yeah. it was like this was, you know, before we made a decision that it probably wasn't the best idea to be drinking daily. But at the time, we were like, "Oh my God, this is it! This is our chance to drink." Yeah, <laughs> let our hair down. Responsibility is gone. Yeah, yeah. Even though they were there, but they were asleep. So we yes. brought them to this restaurant. They were sleeping for ages. It was we thought it was the best thing. Yeah. And we taste tester scenario, drink after drink. It was insane, and we got obliterated. We yeah. couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I mean, all fun and games, right? Until someone gets hurt. Yeah. Then the children woke up, yeah. and then we we're like, oh no, damn it! Now I've got to spend time with you and care for you on this holiday. It's like you ruined my yeah. holiday. That's not how I want to feel either. Like, That's right. To resent them for being alive. That's right. <laughs> you know. That's right. That's so right. it's 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 you think it's fun in the moment, but then there's always an there's always a consequence. That's how I see that it. Is. That Whereas is. I don't went out. Um, and I don't go out often, by the way. It sounds like I go out often, but I really don't. Um, I did go out, and um, I had a couple of drinks, and that felt good, and then I stopped, and then I moved to my diet trick. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, good on you. Good on you. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because when you have an addiction or when you have – addiction's a strong word. People, people like it. Make... And I don't feel comfortable with that personally, interestingly enough, even though I would say there are times in my life that I was definitely addicted yeah, to Yeah, people – don't, people don't like to use it, and I I think it's right not to use it because it's stigmatised, mm. right? And it stops people talking about what's actually happening because it's got that stigma attached to it. Whereas problematic yes. alcohol use, what are you talking what about? I yeah, I prefer to use I'm that. Because... In a ditch somewhere, like vomiting exactly. in the corner. Exactly. 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 It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I was talking to another lady from our group yesterday and we were saying, you know, the, there's so much stigma attached to it and everyone's like, I don't want to associate with that because of the way that, you know, we've been almost conditioned to think that people with problematic alcohol use are these sort of weirdos who are weak and who, you know, their, their families, they've you know, they're really at the lowest of the low, whereas almost everybody I know has problematic alcohol use. You know, literally I don't know many people. In fact, I probably know one person who doesn't wish they drank less than they do. Mm. And I think it's 
that whole thing of I, when I was um, looking into it, sort of lots of different definitions for problematic alcohol use. But it, what came up the most was when you want to, when you both kind of want to do something and you also don't want to do something at the same time. So it's like you're doing something, you don't really want to do it, but you're still doing it. It's like yes. and it starts having a consequence. And I think as you get older, alcohol has a bigger consequence because your hormones are changing. Mm. And I remember Brené Brown saying, you know, midlife is the time when all of the coping mechanisms that served you well throughout your life stop doing so and you actually have to deal with what you're coping with. Mm. And that is the midlife journey, which I think is so correct. You know, whatever your adaptation, whatever your coping mechanism is, be it overworking, which is mine, like I would happily lose myself in my work 24 hours a day. And that's my way of escaping my everyday life and being, you know, having to actually be present with the people who I love. I can be present with clients. I can be present with Bruce. <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm to, I think that's the entrepreneur, though. I think that's I think it is. Entrepreneur. But it's another adaptation, but it's a societally endorsed adaptation mm. because we're like, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're being productive then, we're working. Whereas, you know, and same with people who are obsessively tidy with their house, you know, same thing. It's, an, it's another adaptation, another way of keeping ourselves safe. Oh, you I wish know? I was Me too. I wish I had that adaptation. <laughs> That would be brilliant. That problem. Yeah, you know. me too. I would just love that problem. Yes. I would love it. I would love it. I say that. We say that. We wouldn't actually love it because no. it can be very debilitating. Mm. It can be really debilitating. And both my mum and my grandmother had that. Um, and, you know, it does make things difficult because it means if things are moved, if things are out of place, if things are not how they should be, you literally can't function until they're That's back like should be. When the it's a little and they'd be on the high chair there and I'm not even kidding, they'd be eating yeah. um, if the food would drop to the floor and yeah. they, the in-law would like swoop in and like yes. be wiping under during the yeah. meal. Like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. And then you're like feeling like the bad mum because you're like, I know. I'm meant to be swooping in and doing yes. that. But yeah. yeah, it's just that excessive, it's excessive anything. Anything, you know? and exactly. And we have, like, we have these societally endorsed things like you know if you're running marathons every day because that gives you endorsements and takes you away from yourself that's okay if you're working that's okay if you're tidying obsessively that's okay but if you're drinking or doing drugs or eating more than you want then that's the problem and you're a weak person it's just it's just nonsense like everybody has their shit right totally i still struggle with it Food is probably a bit of an addiction for me. I love food, and I'm not just saying that lightly. I seriously have problems. Put me well, it's one of my passions because I've been training as an intuitive eating counsellor, so I'm passionate about yeah. helping us. Because, again, it's another thing that keeps us as women. Like, we have this, you know, um, and a bit like alcohol in a way. Like, we've made some food bad. Like we make alcohol bad and then what happens to a lot of women who spend a lot of time being good is then when they've been good for so long, they've, you know, all this, they've been doing all the shoulds, then suddenly the thing that they want 
is the thing that they perceive as being naughty. So there's so many interesting things. And food, like my mum makes food good or bad. There's good or bad food. And so I've had to put in a really strong boundary with my mum. The more I've learned about intuitive eating and body acceptance to kind of, and even in my, my groups, I have to say to people like, because everybody has their diet thing they want to come and tell everybody about. And I'm like, not in my groups. I have to keep it a safe space for people, yeah. whatever their journey is. Because people, everybody has their, you know, their thing around food. And I think food more than anything else, probably more than alcohol even, is, you know, the stigmatization of, and the fat, fat phobia in our society is just disgusting and incredible then once you become kind of like aware of it um it's just the things that people are okay with saying to other people or about other people and the judgments that we make about other people um it, it, it's just i mean that's another conversation yeah. we could do yeah, and i think as well and well, thinking back from when I was younger too, so I was an obese child, and yes. uh, that came from being stressed. So, um, in a stressful environment, um, yes. there was a lot of neglect. So, basically, yes. what was my parents actually owned businesses in the food and hospitality yes. space, cafes and bakeries, but no one to care for me. So, yes. which is, you know, cooking and whatever, like everyone's yes. just doing it. I used to sit in, I'll never forget, I used to sit in the bakery. And sometimes I'd have to sit there for five hours, and I yeah. or, or I'd be allowed to run off and play in the local park near the near mm. this. Mm. But what does a kid do in a bakery that sits there for five That's hours? eat the delicious thing. Yes, but then what would happen was so I got into these terrible eating habits, and then what would happen was um, then I'd be ridiculed in the home for overeating. Yes. So yes. it's like maybe yes. this environment where I wasn't allowed to do, like I had nothing else to do. Yes. And it no sounds like you're using food as a kind of love, you know, to give you the love, to give you the, you know, emotional nurturing that you're not getting. Yeah. You know? Yes. I mean, I got very large, yeah. like really big. It was yeah. definitely And then yeah. I'd be pissed for it. Like I remember, um, like my family, I was in a black swimming costume at the beach. I don't forget yeah. it. Right? Yeah. yeah. But they said, um, and I was like on the sands playing, and they're like, "Oh, you look like they were laughing, saying you look like a beach trail, oh. and stuff like that." So that carried with me. Absolutely, definitely a connection between um, socially uncomfortable environments and food. Yes. And yes, if yes. I in an environment where it's like, "Oh my gosh, I have to talk to people," like, and I, I actually find myself. I don't know if it's possible to be an extrovert and an introvert. I, I, I think so. I think so. But then there are times where I do just want to switch off. Yeah, me too. Usually in social environments where I really don't have the energy to speak to the people, and that's yeah. when I will hop towards the food, or that's when you can drink too much. Yeah. That's, that's right. I found myself in my adult situation where I drank too much because I didn't know what else to do because I didn't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> but if I stood yeah. there with a drink or I stood there eating the canopy, then I was doing something that was socially acceptable, mm. so I didn't have to engage. Mm. Just like, I'm standing there having some food. I'm standing there having some food. Mm. So, you know, so there's definitely a connection there. But um, 100%. Yeah. 
100%. It's interesting you say that because my mum and I had the same conversation because she was a overweight kid who, or overweight probably like the wrong terminology, but she was in a bigger body and she, her mum and dad worked at, run a fish and chip shop. And again, also not particularly caring for her. And so she ate to get the love. And then when she went to her secondary school, she dieted and lost a lot of weight. And obviously, you know, people change how they are to you. And so in her brain, like we were talking, because she's very judgmental about people in bigger bodies and she has a lot to say about it. And it was really interesting because we had this conversation and it, it became really apparent that her, her precious little self was trying to keep her safe by making her obsessed with, you know, putting on weight and food being good or bad. And because she'd been bullied as a kid, and so in order to keep her safe, it, it, you know, that part of her needed for her to have a high alert around anything to do with food yeah totally. it was really interesting really interesting i did lose it when i was in high school and yeah. um and yes definitely it changed i mean boys start talking to you number one yeah um yeah. so there's yeah there's a, there's a connection immediately um yeah. so like that so yes definitely and i think again it all everything from you know drug alcohol abuse views whatever it is, it definitely stems from that traumatic early part of my life. But, yeah. you know, look, look at me now, Emma. <laughs> I know. So tell me, tell us your, so I, from trauma to triumph, Joe. tell yeah. us how you have got yourself where you've got to and what you do to keep yourself so energised yeah. and healthy. And I know you've been sick. But that aside, how do you look after yourself? Yeah, so, so um, the biggest thing that I feel has gotten me through this life of horrible circumstance to mm -hmm. feeling like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm never at the level that I want to be 100% because I'm a high achiever, so I'm constantly growing, constantly yeah. learning. But the key yeah. element for me has been forgiveness. Forgiveness yeah. is the to my growth and resilience, forgiving yes. just the people around me, yes. but forgiving myself. So, like, it is so crucial to have an element of forgiveness to mm. move forward. I truly believe without that, I couldn't have what I've achieved today. So, forgiveness to me does not mean that I'm so. <laughs> If my, you know, my, my father was abusive, yeah. that wasn't okay. Yeah. But I can forgive. Because if I don't, then I'm holding on to it. And yes. all it does is hurt me. Yes. They're not them. They've moved no. on. No. I've had situations even, um, and I do forgiveness exercises. I literally, you know, one of my grateful for, and I know people talk about gratefulness and it's such a buzz thing, but truly it's yeah. just... For me, it's really just about, okay, you know, what am I grateful for, for, you know, I do forgiveness exercises in my head, so I talk about the people in my life, like I'll say, um, I forgive you, I love you, thank you, that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, 
you know, I can see I see where it's come from. I understand mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I know why you do that to me or to yeah. others, my kids or whatever. I know why you do that. Yeah. I forgive you. I'm letting it go. Yeah. And yeah. I do that to myself. Yeah. That was the hardest forgiving myself. Because yeah. recognizing that when I was going through really bad things or really poor decisions. I mean, I've made terrible decisions. Um, And especially being younger without guidance, mentorship, like, you you know, add a decade to your life to figure it out is what I say. When you're not being raised by parents who guide you and you, you lose a decade of your life. You just do. And it's in that search for what does this all mean, okay? So... I, you know, why am I there earlier? I say that as a business owner, I could have done this 10 years ago. Why didn't I do this? Why would I have chosen that? Why didn't I do this course five years ago? Mm. Oh, that's right. Because I lost a decade of yeah. to trauma. Yeah. And yeah. I've got to get over it because it's not getting over it. That's harsh. Yeah. I've got to move through it. Yeah. I have to give myself because if I yeah. don't, I'm the one that gets hurt. Yeah. The people that are wrong, they're not sitting there mulling over it. Maybe they are. I don't know, but I can't worry about that. I've so got true. And the only way I can get to them is to move yes. through this life with as much peace yes. and gratitude and calm as I can, and that requires yes. high forgiveness, intentional forgiveness exercises. Yes. I literally sit there sometimes if I have a negative yes. thought about someone who's done me wrong or hurt me I, I stop and I go I forgive you I forgive you mm. it's okay mm. because if, if I can't forgive them I can't move forward that's it so that is a major major piece of my life forgiveness is really powerful yeah mm. I think that's so interesting that you should say that today <coughs> when yesterday I have been, I have had a lot of anger recently about different things and I have been doing a lot of work on forgiveness and I was listening to Gabor Mate talking about how forgiveness isn't about, you know, accepting that another person, exactly what you're saying, it's not about accepting that the other person, you know, was, was right, it's about letting yourself be free from the turmoil that your hatred or your anger or your the turmoil that it, it does to you because it eats you away and it uh, it, it takes it it tell it tears you apart. It, it that's um, but it does no harm to them. And that's right. And it and that's when you abuse yourself. That's it. And that's this it. is it's one of the worst feelings. When yeah. you spiral into the thought and memory of all of this shit. So how do we but we can't escape the memories. So what do we do? We have to soften them and now yeah. soften them. With, um, yeah. Because otherwise I, I abuse myself. I, yeah. I And I do that with alcohol. I did it with young yeah. with drugs. I hate saying that. Yeah. I wish you. Like, no one can hear me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I know, though. We, uh, me, me too. Yeah. And we did um, um, food. You know, there yeah. was a period life where I was bulimic you know like I was just abusing myself yeah. and all like dating terrible people oh or, you I know. know and going along with things that you didn't really enjoy because you're well, like friends I don't... horrible to 
me. Yeah. You know, friends, yeah. I just remember in high school, I had a friend that punched me in the face, oh, literally, God. and got me black and blue. And then I was friends with them after that. What the? Yeah. It's our self-worth, isn't it? It's 100%. Black self-worth. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and I allowed myself to be beaten by someone or be, and I because that was my past too. So, yeah. so just saying, oh, that's okay. They forgive. They yeah. don't. They, Sorry, so it's okay now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no. not okay. We can't. No. And that all no. it made me quite fierce. So yeah. I, I'm a, um, because of that, I'm like, I'm like, you will not hurt me. Yeah. Like, you can try, but I'm not yeah. going to take it. I mean, I've had some weird scenarios happen recently, like at the shops I had a man stand behind me um, because I wasn't walking fast enough up the, up the escalator with my two little kids in tow and he whispered behind my neck and said, you know, F you, like that, like, you know, like I was in his oh. And the old Joe would have gone, uh-oh, quick, move to the yeah. side, let him through. Yeah. And, like, and it's, it's not safe, don't do this at home. No, no. excuse me. Yeah. I said, how dare you? speak to me like that yeah. I said you know if you wanted to move past then you can respectfully you do not yeah. you know intimidate me no. do do not try and intimidate me no. I will accept that and he, he got really taken aback by that and yeah, just quit on off and said nothing I don't think he was expecting that from me <laughs> no I know well I think it's something as well when we get a bit older too like I have stopped putting up with like shit I put up with for years like people being rude people being nasty people you know just that kind of like you say just sort of abusive I will not tolerate it I will not tolerate it anymore and I'm quite and I know it's probably very not the right thing to do but I will quite happily put myself in the firing line rather than have somebody um Abusive, yeah. Though, so when you have these these traumatic experiences and violence and stuff like that, you know it can go either way. You can be you know roaring with resilience, or yeah. you can hide. Okay, yeah. and there's no right. Yeah. I mean, no, everyone's got their. And I'm yeah, obviously resilient now. I mean, to the point where yes, I should probably calm down, but I just I'm not going to take it. I just can't. I can't do it anymore. And, and I think that's I don't one of the most life. important things about these journeys into kind of midlife and getting it, you know, getting a little bit older is this beginning. We actually begin to start valuing ourselves and we actually begin to start loving ourselves and we actually, we have to matter because we have to show our kids, yeah, that. Yep. We matter so that they know that they matter, you know? Yeah. And I remember that day, that man whispering, you know, F you in the back neck, right? Pretty gross behaviour. And I said, I said my kids, and I said, Mum, what happened? I said, well, that man, he, he was whispering swear words into the back of my neck. Oh, make me. And I said, and Mummy wasn't going to let him do that to, to her. That's it. So, and I Okay. Oh, good mum. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes there's a there's a place for righteous anger, right? 
Oh, I've had I've had weird ones. I've had a guy in a motorcycle. I don't know. He might, I might have cut him off. I'm not even sure on the freeway. I don't even know what happened. Yeah. By my window, and he started like getting abusing me. But then he started knocking his helmet against the glass. Oh, oh my god. And trying to say, you know, like trying to scare me. Yeah. And I was eight months pregnant, maybe seven oh. months pregnant, and I wound down the window. This was insane. I don't know oh, what. show them I'm going to get really drunk and actually the only person that you're hurting is yourself right and then <laughs> it's so interesting like that whole kind of concept and same with celebrating it's like I'm going to give myself a treat it's like well you're giving you know some to be honest with you something you know there's so many better treats than alcohol for people you know what can you do that's going to actually nourish somebody that actually is going to fill their soul you know, the, the amount of people that are still giving alcohol as gifts to people in corporate, in all sorts of other places, that just, it really needs to stop because it's just, it's not appropriate anymore. It's like, you don't well, know what's going on for people. Um, I have this thing where um, I do like private coaching um, for my clients and I recently yeah. introduced um, a VIP intensive day, which is where they come with me yeah. for a day and high-level, um, you know, strategy training, and we, yeah. we really you know, dig deep into their business. Mm -hmm. um, it was great. And after speaking with you, I had a thought about it because I was like, champagne celebration at the end. Yeah. But then I thought, I might actually just give them the option. Yeah. Like, what if I have a tick box that doesn't assume that they drink? And it's like, yes. would you prefer an alcoholic um, celebration drink to finish or non-alcoholic? And yeah. it, thing and one of them um, most people selected yes they'd like the sparkling yeah. wine yeah one person picked no I, I would prefer not to anything yeah. I was like wow yeah. cool okay I wouldn't have asked yeah. before us having this just like that discussion um back in Melbourne when we yeah. had that um 
Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that. And it was just an option. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just provide a non-alcoholic option for that particular guest. And I think that, you know, this was a high-level coaching thing. They're they're spending, you know, quite a bit of money for the day. And I want to make sure that I look after them to the highest level as well. And that means asking that question in a catering scenario. Right. And And being inclusive. It's being inclusive, isn't it? It's like... you know, we ask people what their dietary requirements are, but we don't ask people whether or not they drink. Yeah. Or they want and so to. So that's now a new question on my catering. And I thought, oh, yeah. someone actually, that was and I added it. And someone texted, I would prefer non alcoholic. Thank you. And I was like, oh, good on you. Cool. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Thanks for doing that, Joe. People like me love you for that. Yeah, yeah. So that just, and I think that is as business, like as a business owner, and I'm not sure who listens to you if they're business owners or not. But even in a in a role where you may provide catering, or even at home, like if you're having a party, um, yeah. just thinking about the inclusive nature of it and providing an option. That's all. We're not saying I'm not saying don't drink. I'm saying I'm going to serve the. Party. No, exactly. Me neither. I. Happy, happy with other people drinking. Drink as much as you want. Yes, yeah, but don't the, exclude me. And they say that the um, non-alcoholic beverage market is going through the Just roof growing. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Emma. <laughs> I know, I know. And people are. People are drinking, it's not even just people who, are, who don't drink, it's like people who are just preferring not to have an alcoholic drink that evening because they've got something on the next day or because they want to drive home or yeah. whatever. It's like, it's a, it's a lovely inclusive industry, I think, for that reason. Yeah. But anyway, so there you go. So uh, because of um, our connection, I've started thinking um, more inclusively around the catering of my events and clients. So, yeah. well, me and all the alcohol-free people uh, say thank you very much. <laughs> Listen, it's been so good to you, Joe. I love your yep. tip. I love the tip on forgiveness as well because I think yep. that's huge and really interesting. As well, because I think people misinterpret it, don't they? They think you're meaning, oh, you have to like say that what they did was okay. And you're, it's not about that at all. It's about, it's about letting that. yourself heal. Correct. It's being yeah. free in your own being self. To, yeah, not yeah. being fixated. The burden of yeah. the, whatever's happened. Yeah, exactly. that's all that's all exactly. it is and um and sometimes the forgiveness is not reciprocated that's the other part of it that's right it's not about the other person at all actually it's not it? about them no. that's right but um no. thank you for having me oh, and thank, for you. thank you much um, for tuning in <laughs> thanks everybody it's been lovely we've had lots of people joe could you um tell people where a little bit about what you do and where they can where people can find you yeah Absolutely. So um, definitely um, follow me on Instagram. That's my social media love language. And that's at Josephine Lankuba. I'm sure it'll connect to whatever it's here. Um, not Lankuba. Uh, what was it? Lankuba. Not Labamba. Artwork. Labamba. It's Lankuba. That's probably better than Labamba. Labamba. 
September, everybody. Um, but yes, yeah, so you can find me on socials. Um, you can also check out my website, that's josephinelandcuba.com, and you can just DM me if you have any questions. I'm a performing arts business coach, talent manager, speaker, and mentor. I don't just speak on the performing arts. I also speak in other areas, including you know um, areas of resilience, and really overcoming challenges in life, but also in business. So if that's of interest to you, please do reach out to my inbox and let's have a conversation. But yeah, it's been beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friends. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.